Did you know, Kostya, that David has never had coffee? No, I've had, I've had coffee. Oh, you've had coffee? Not even. I can what tell you my grand total is one and a half cups in my life. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. Today, we are talking about the question, can Neil Bruce make master? And honestly, there was a little bit of behind-the-scenes kerfuffle. Kostya felt this was too specific, naming somebody. But I want to stress this is not in a mean-spirited way, even if we decide that he cannot actually make master as his dreams uh, would like. Now, one of the reasons this is so important to me is I am also an older dude like Neil Bruce. And I have some my own questions about what is feasible, what is possible in training, as I would very much like to improve, at least improve from where I currently am, get back to maybe where I was. And so a really important question for me is like, well, what is reasonable? You know, even if I work really hard, what is a reasonable result to expect? And this also comes up for uh, all the time, really, in our Discord, people are asking, like, what is possible? And this, um, this discussion was prompted really by somebody in Discord popping in, no experiencing in chess at all, and they were also an older dude, and were like, uh, what are, what, how realistic is it for me to make 1800 from knowing really nothing about chess? So, you know, that's a little, that's definitely a different quest than Neil, who is about 1780 and trying to make 2200, but it's still obviously also a massive, massive jump. So those are the things that we're gonna be discussing today. And um, I think I'm, we could start in a number of different places, but I'm just gonna share with you the epiphany that I had this summer. So for decades, I was playing in uh, strong opens, invitationals with two other dudes. And that was, at the time, I am Enrico Saviano, and I am Malik Sekashian. I played those dudes more than anybody else. They were always kind of right at my level. We all made GM at a similar age, which was later in life, okay? And I had, the epiphany was, when I was at the US Senior, where Enrico also was, is that all of our rating graphs looked the same. <laughs> Namely, you know, they had gone up, and then they had all come down. And then I started looking at the other seniors and right, of their, whether, regardless of whether they were a peak rating of 1,800 or 2,100, they were declining, right? So that was my reality check and something I'm still grappling with because, you know, I was once 25, 25 feet A or something, and I would love to get back up there. It would also mean that I would instantly qualify, for example, for the U.S. Senior Closed, if I could get anywhere close to that. And then the question is, is that feasible? And if it's not feasible, then I think I'm just beating myself up trying to get there, right? So that's kind of the question at stake for me and many others in this discussion we're having today. And with that, I'll turn it to whoever wants to speak next. Yeah. Okay. So big topic. And I feel like Neil Bruce, he's just kind of, he's the figurehead here. He's just like the right. very representative of the, let's say typical adult improver. Um, for me, these questions of like, can someone do this? It, they're very hypothetical. So I don't love spending a lot of time on them because there's really only one way to find out whether someone can do something. It's like they do it and then they prove that they 
can do it. That, that's kind of the only ultimate. Because, yeah, we've got people in the Discord every day, you know, every day just spending countless of hours debating possibilities and, you know, the different training methods and all this stuff. And it's a lot of it is just time wasted that could have been spent actually working on chess. So, but are you denying that if someone choose, chose to spend their time finding out all the info they could about Neil Bruce, that, uh, that an experienced chess coach or professional would not be able to prognosticate accurately? You think it's like impossible to make predictions? Yeah, I, I think this depends happen? on so many factors, like whether uh, someone can make a lot of progress later in life. So what does it depend on, right? It's like how much time they can put in working on the game, how much they can play in like tournaments to get like strong competition, um, what their current level is. I think how much time they spend working on chess as a kid might affect it. Whatever their uh, brain power is, how however you want to measure that, you know, their physical capabilities. I think even if you had all these factors, I don't know if we're going to get to a perfect formula where you just input all the values and then it tells you, like it just spits out, here's your, you know, peak rating that you can, you can possibly get. Um, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't get the exact peak rating, but you could answer questions like, will this player make 1900 or 2500? And like 1900, you would have a very high confidence level to say yes, and 2500, you'd have a very high confidence to say no, right? So you can make some predictions. There's always going to be a question that's hard enough or close enough to the gray area that... I, yeah. But long story short, I, I think what people ultimately want, because you hear this in everyone's question, you know, we have, we have like a lot of kids in the Discord and they're like, hey, I'm 16 years old, I'm just starting out. And it's always the same question. It's like, can I still get good? They don't know what any of these numbers mean. They don't know like why 2200 is a magic number. It's just a number they've heard online that people use. But what they're really asking is like, can I get good? Can I get to a place where people see me as a chess player and they say, oh, that's a good player? I think ultimately that's what people want. I think that's a different number for everyone. You know, it could mean number one in your club, which is just mm -hmm. a very different number based on where you're living. Um, and ultimately it's like the path there is still filled with chess work and working on your chess. So the, re the way I find interest in this question is to think about like, what are the most useful ways to give someone the best chance to fulfill their chess dreams. I don't, I really don't like dwelling like, oh, is someone's max 21 or 2300 or whatever, because whatever it is, they're still gonna have to work their utmost to get there. And they're probably gonna have to work on the right things, which we'll probably get into, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess my two cents on that though, Kosia, is that there's, it's important for us to say what we think the, <laughs> proper dreams should be. So for example, in Neil Bruce's case and in this guy's Adam's case, well, especially with Neil Bruce, I would say, listen, boss, <laughs> if you make an 100 point gain from where you are, that would be amazing. And that's something you should celebrate. But putting yourself up to this 2200 thing, first of all, we're going to talk about how impossible it is. But second of all, you're going to have to make this first step first, and it's going to be difficult. I promise that 100 points will be grueling. It will be absolutely grueling. Um, and if you can make that, great. And you can reevaluate maybe what, how you feel about it when you actually make it, fine. But I think it's important for these people who come to the game and say, I want this lofty goal to recognize how difficult it's going to be. I, can, I have had many students 
come to me and say, you know, they're 1500 and they say they want to be FM or they say they want to be expert. That's USCF 2000, right? And it's like, let's dial it down. Let's dial it down. We might get there someday, but there are more proximate goals that will be more useful to you in your current study. Okay. I mean, and I just want to say, I agree with Kosi that it's more interesting to talk about what's the best thing you can do and just work on getting better mm -hmm. than like to spend your efforts like guessing where you can get. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's an impossible science. It's just maybe not like the most useful science. But I think if I asked you a bunch of questions about Neil Bruce or Adam or any other person and you gave me a bunch of inputs, I could spit out some kind of an estimation which wouldn't be insane right it would be a range you know and i would say this person you know can get to somewhere between x and x plus 100 or something right and it wouldn't it wouldn't be a useless prediction i mean other than that you know the whole discussion might not be useful but the, the answer wouldn't necessarily be wrong like you know it's like you could calculate how many candies can you eat before you die it's not useful because everybody knows they should stop eating candy well before that point, but it doesn't mean that a scientist couldn't calculate it for you. Yeah. 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 It just falls beyond the, the line of I don't know, <laughs> needed, uh, needed info, you know? Um, so I think, I think in any quest, by the way, you should look at what other people have done who have had similar similar quests and this actually comes up in Kahneman's thinking fast and slow where he notes that people start projects and they're all often usually over optimistic because they haven't looked at what similar quests have looked like for other people and they feel like they are different for example that could count as a business venture you should look at what other people did in a similar space right that could look at a fitness adventure you look at what other people have done, right? All these kinds of things, I think they have to be graded. You have to set your expectations based on what other people around you have done, right? It's unreasonable yeah. to think you're a special snowflake and that you're so different from these other quests. Yeah, I and agree. the other danger is I think people are very focused on the result, you know, like the title that they can achieve or the rating goal and we see a lot of people they start these like like training plans you know and they announce like 100 days of chess and like all this stuff but and then they quit <laughs> sometime some way through because it. it's like you know they're just focused on this it's kind of like narrative of their journey instead of actually like enjoying the process of going through chess games and like analyzing positions and like i think that's really where the focus should be unless on um the uh eventual improvements or gains i i just want to emphasize something that jesse said because i think it's important it also speaks to the question of can we make predictions right like there is there is data on things right that people could go out and look at and it can give you some guidance on this stuff like um you know we've got strong chess in chat who did look at a segment of uscf players over a period of time and what were the largest gains of players over a certain age and all that and you can look at that you know and I, when I was thinking, for example, of like maybe trying to get a bit better at swimming, I didn't just invent a goal. Like I want to swim at this speed 
or I want to be like the fastest swimmer in, in my country or something like that. I thought, hmm, I wonder how fast other people swim, you know, at different ages. And I went online and I quickly looked it up. This past week, I saw some stupid viral video on Twitter of some dude trying to race against a uh, Division One. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Because she was a woman and he thought like, well, I'm a man. Maybe I'll just be faster than a professional athlete if she's a woman. Mm-hmm. Right. And I saw that and I thought, like, does this guy not even know how to Google like times? Like, did it not occur to him before going out and running that he could just Google like how fast do people run, you know, and see the time and be like, oh, that's impossible. Because I looked it up and like female swimmers swim almost twice as fast as me, you know, There's, like they're, they're professionals, you know, and you have to get a sense of what the what the training's like. So I like people don't even know how to, you know, Google some basic information. And so you really also had the thought to race against a female swimmer, but no. you had the word. <laughs> no, I was just looking up what is fast and they just had a table with like the listing of the times. And by the way, the women's times were not much slower than the men's. I mean, on the scale of how slow I am, it made basically no difference. You know, it was like if a guy was swimming in 20 seconds and a woman in 21 seconds and I'm swimming in 40 seconds, like to me, they're indistinguishable, right? They're just like laughing me. <laughs> I just happened to see it in the table. No, I wasn't off on some sexist project coast. <laughs> and I, I should say, just for the numbers here with Strong Chess, so Strong Chess's numbers basically say that no one has ever done it, right? So the Neil Bruce Quest, we're going to talk about what we think the chances are that he could make it. But so far, there's been a lot of similar journeys and no one has made it. Right? Now, Strong Chess didn't look at every chess player ever, right? Just like... right. A set of players in the U.S. over a period of time where the ratings are available in online, right? But it's still a lot of players, it's still and it doesn't count anyone who's still ongoing and improving. But it was a good chunk of players. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we should talk about our poll. Yeah, let's talk about our poll. So we put out a poll asking about. It wasn't the best worded, but that was kind of on purpose because normally that gets people to comment more when it's like kind of somewhat ambiguous uh, (laughs) polling. If there's anything they can correct, that's where you get responses. (laughs) Well, I actually, I could, let me read the poll and then I'll tell you how Kostya fuddled it here. So what are the odds that the average adult improver age 40 to 50 rating 1800 can make national master if they put their mind to it? In our discord, I said, Kostya, put up the following tweet. Can Neil Bruce, who is around 1800, a national master, 2200 USCF, if they put their mind to it? But Kostya felt that was too mean-spirited or something, too too specific, and then so he changed it. And that's how you get, like, uh, a tweet by committee, you know, right there. Yeah, well, yeah, I think it, it just feels weird to just single out one person and, like, do a poll about them. I don't know, that... That feels what odd. feels weird to one person feels right to Jesse. <laughs> Always been like that. But I, I honestly, I first of all, I, I don't feel it in any kind of mean-spirited way. I wish the guy the best of luck. By all means, I'm a fan of his chess progress. Um, okay, so let's read it off. So the chances, the people that say he's got a fit, better than 50% chance of making it are 13.8. Then you got 10 people saying it's 10 to 50% chance. You got 24%. And then the winner saying that he's got a one to 10% chance of making it is 35%. And then less than 1% is 26.8. Um, and so, um, may, and then I guess maybe we should now say what our personal thoughts are 
and the chances. Um, so one thing actually I'll say that I think is an amazing thing. You guys know the experiment with the weight of the cow? They were at a, a fair, you know, and they ask a bunch of people like, what's the weight of the cow, you know? And you get like a 10,000 people saying what the weight of the cow is. Maybe you get a prize if you get it exactly right. And you know, there's a lot of weird answers out there. Maybe somebody says 100 pounds, whatever. Somebody says 10,000 pounds. But ultimately it averaged out to be the correct answer. And so it's kind of like an example of how a lot of times with a large number, the market can kind of get a right answer. In this that's case- the wisdom, That's the wisdom of the masses. That's the that, wisdom of the masses, concept, right? Right. This and case- it shows so I, up interestingly yeah. in chess, if you do like vote chess, if you have people vote on the move, Okay, like people yeah. vote for all kinds of dumb stuff, but they right. never have like 10,000 people vote for the same dumb stuff. So you can take yeah. a huge group of really bad players, Jesse, like don't even allow 1800s to participate. Take yeah. like players under a thousand and have, but if you get enough of them, if you've got 10 people, it's gonna be trash, right? But right. if you get thousands of people voting, then suddenly they're like Kasparov on average. And it's just crazy. Wow. So we had 935 votes and, um, so I thought that was a pretty good number. Oh, and yeah. I, I say, I disagree, I feel strongly. And then my number, I guess I'm gonna go with one in 100,000 is the chance. It's one in is a, this for Neil Bruce specifically or for an 1800 around age 50? <laughs> I think actually we, we'll talk uh, later about Adam. Adam's quest to be total beginner to 1800, which I think is a little bit different but uh, for Neil Bruce, I'd say, yeah, one in 100,000. So it's not, I'm not ruling it out, but mm -hmm. you know, it's a pretty unlikely event. Yeah, so basically like about 60% think it's less than 10% total. And then about half of that think it's like less than, than 1%. Um, I mean, yeah, with these numbers, like I would probably put it less than 1% as well. Um, I don't know how how much less, but it's uh, it's not often done. And a big thing that people brought up is like you know asking about the factors, like well, how much time does this person have? You know, they have like a job and like a family and how much resources. But I think that's kind of part of the the question. I think it's very rare that someone who's like of this age can just dedicate a bunch of hours to working on their game, travel to tournaments. So I feel like that's part of why it's like less than one percent because it's just so. Um, very difficult to like manifest this and i don't even think it's like from 1800 to 2900 but just making like huge significant gains it just seems like yeah you have to just everything has to kind of play out perfectly and you have to have the right uh time and energy and everything for it um so yeah for me it makes it very unlikely it doesn't mean no one can do it um and i i think jesse actually brought a very nice point is that it's like you don't want to be so hyper-focused on this like big goal that you miss the progress that you're making, which you can also be proud of in the meantime. Um, like for me personally, I'd be happy if I gained like 20 points, you know, <laughs> like it'd be, it'd be great. Like just to gain a little bit, just to feel like I'm a little stronger than I used to be. That's already a fantastic feeling. And as, I think as you get higher, you definitely appreciate any little gain um, much more. Yeah. I mean, I don't know all the details on Neil Bruce, so my 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 estimate could be more precise if I knew how many hours a day he studied and 
you know, what his training plan was exactly and whether he had kids and what age they were and if he was working or retired and stuff like that. But, but vaguely speaking, since you guys each gave numbers, I would guess also that for Neil Bruce, it's under 1% um, from the little bit I know. But I could be mistaken because I don't have all the inputs. Now, David, just to be able to dial it down a little bit, I mean, like 1% would be 1 in 100, which I think that's, that's an amazing, <laughs> why is that a lot different than 1 in 1,000 or 1 in 10,000? Okay, uh, sure, it's less than 1 in 1,000 as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me say something about the training. A lot of people say that they're like, oh, as older people, we just don't have the time. And what I'm doing now, for example, is I get up early and I am generally doing about three hours good study. Um, and then I do other chess stuff. You know, I do stuff with the dojo. I'm teaching. So there's other chess stuff. I mean, chess is still on my mind. Um, and I want to stress, when I was making the big push for GM, there too, I feel like I could get a quality three hours in. And I don't mean playing blitz, I mean like real study. And um, after three hours, you know, you can study beyond three hours, but your mind is, for really deep work, is kind of busted. Maybe for kids it's a little bit better, but as an older dude, I can say three hours, you're kind of tapped out. So. I would say three hours and then like, let's say an hour for exercise is what you're going to need. I think that's optimal for an older dude. I'll put it out there like that for an older dude. It's three hours plus an hour of exercise. Um, so you can, you can conceivably do that and still you know, go about your normal life. And when I say one in 100,000, I'm assuming that dude has that kind of window for himself. Um, and what are you what are you doing in those three hours? Like, what does that look like? Um, for myself personally, it is a question of do I have games to go over? If I do, then I'm going over those games, and if not, I'm doing some kind of work that's in the dojo training book. For example, you turned me on, Costa, to this really hard book, dude. Oh, it's tough, dude. This the Varetsky book, recognizing your opponent's resources. Mm. We might add that to the program. Anyways, that's what I've been doing now as an example, right? That tough, dude, tough, you know, that system too, dude, I'm dialing it down. I'm not getting all those things right. That's tough, man. Yeah, right? that book is tough. Um, yeah. So in general, what do you guys think someone should be working on if their goal is to try to get as good as possible and they're like club level, so it doesn't have to be 1800, it could be like 1400. 1600 for me i don't know i feel like the biggest thing is uh like calculation and maybe in visualization specifically i think a lot of people kind of reach maybe a limit maybe even a self-imposed limit on how much they think they can calculate and then that kind of holds them back in their games um and i feel like this in my opinion holds people back more than other things like i've worked with players where calculation was not their weakness it was maybe their strength or dynamic play was their strength and then sometimes it just takes like an adjustment for them to improve in other areas of the game like to improve their end game it just took someone to tell them to be a little bit more patient when they have a good position when they don't need to rush things and then like a little switch like that i think can make a big difference whereas with calculation i don't think there's a lot of like little switches you can do you actually just have to work on it very hard and then over time like it might improve but i feel like the more you improve your 
your calculation it's almost like raising your your floor but i think what do you think is the biggest you, thing i think it would be different for each person i think they should join the dojo training program that's exactly <laughs> what i would say i mean yeah one of the first things that anyone could do is to just subscribe to a a, a training program or, or a coach that gives them an individualized training program and follow something instead of doing a bunch of random stuff. Um, can I, do you mind if I bring us back to the question of, you know, making 2200 for 50 year old? Please. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if we, if we take a step back from Jesse's tweet intended tweet about Neil Bruce and look at the Costia's sort of ordinary person scenario, right? Basically, to my mind, there are a certain number of obstacles that could keep you from getting 18, from 1,800 to 2,200, right? They are a lack of talent, like just not having enough chess so that no matter what you did, you just couldn't get there. Talent, um, your rate of learning versus forgetting, because at that point, like you're learning things more slowly than when you were young, and you're forgetting things faster. So, I mean, I'll, I, I'm not yet 50, and I already like learn a couple things, and forget a couple things each week. And the question is like, which is, which is, which rate is bigger? Um, and then there's the question of time. Like we said, do they have a family? What age are their kids, right? How much help do they need from, from their parents still? And then work, you know, are they still working full-time, part-time, overtime, retired? Um, then opportunities, that's coaching, local clubs, other online communities. How many tournaments do they have access to? Um, and then there's the quality of the training they're actually doing, right? So they could be wasting their efforts or like following a really good program. Um, I guess you could also put in health, right? Because some people like the physical health yeah. um, could could already start to become an issue. Like I was trying to think about why I did better at this last tournament than in some previous tournaments, maybe because it was one game a day instead of two games a day. Maybe I've already reached that point where it's like, right, right, you know, I remember like older players when I was a kid who would like take a strategic buy just to have a little more energy like later on in the tournament and that's mm -hmm. helping their rating compared to playing every game, right? So um so maybe I should add that in as as obstacles is just like physical health, right? So if you've got 150-year-olds, you might have 80 for whom physical health is not going to be an impediment, but you might have 20 for whom, you know, that's just going to drag them down before they can get to 2200. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I guess another way of saying it, Dave, I'll put it this way. It's like when you hit 50, you have health issues. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. It is interesting. Uh, I played the two senior opens, I played senior open and the Irwin this last year. And you look around the room and you see, you, you, you'll see like people have like a little neurological twitch going on. People have stuff going on. Like, and I, I, I feel blessed I've made it this far, but I definitely have my share of issues. You know, <laughs> this body's fallen a couple of times, you know, it's like, like been some wrecks, dude. So, you know, everybody has physical problems at 50. Yeah. So basically if I've listed my six potential obstacles, Right. And then ask, you know, how many of these things need to go right versus wrong for you to make 2200? That's mm -hmm. the first way I want to, like, you know, talk about my obstacles. Mm -hmm. Basically, I think that most people have the talent to make 2200. So that's only knocking out a small percentage of people. I disagree with that, but okay. But for these other things, I think basically you need to be five for five on the other things, basically um that that those are not obstacles for you 
So you need to, if you've got family, if you've got work, something that's taking up any of your time or focus, you're already done right there. It doesn't matter what any of the other factors are. Same thing with opportunities. If you don't have chances to play, if you don't have tournaments that are local or the money to travel to tournaments, you're not getting, you're not getting to master just like studying at home, right? If you're doing the wrong thing with your training, everything else is gone. It doesn't matter if you're in good health and playing in tournaments and everything, right? Problems with your physical health, you're not making it either. So you need every single one of those things to go right. And then I would think that the question of talent and are you able to still learn at the age of 50 plus versus what you're forgetting, I think then you're in the 40 to 50% chance for an average person if there's none of those other obstacles. So let me say this. We This came up as a debate uh, well, a year or two ago and some people were very offended by the idea that I was like, not everybody can make 2,200. They were like, oh, anybody who puts the work in, come on, you don't have to be a genius. Let me try to make a, a metaphor, just a metaphor here. Cause it's like, I think people are confused about chess because it seems like, oh, you just have to make a move. It's just a thing that your hand has to do. Whereas, let me just give you a different uh, picture. I'd say you walk into my gym, it's just a regular gym of, of people. And then you ask yourself, who, how strong are the people who are one in 20? One in 20. Oh, those people are beasts, dude. <laughs> those people can do some stuff, man. They can, they can lift some heavy things. Then you start asking, okay, my gym, what about one in 100? Oh, dude, now we're really talking. You know, we're, I mean, these people are animals. They're putting up weights that, you know, you, you know, you're starting to deadlift 415, you know, you're way over 415 actually, and then every other lift, and then they're just, and they're able to do stamina work, they're doing able to do endurance work, and you're like, wait a sec, <laughs> the realm of possibility of me reaching that one in 100 person, most people are like, oh yeah, I can imagine training for it. But it's a whole nother level of just having, not every person can lift that heavy weight. Forget about it, <laughs> trust right. me, that's a genetic thing. <clears throat> and so with chess, because it doesn't, you don't, it's not as apparent, like you don't see somebody's muscles in their head, you, but you can see it on somebody's body. What hmm. we're talking about, let's say 2000chess.com, right there, I think we're talking one and, I think one and seven, one and 750. The, average, the median rating on chess.com is 750. That's everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So you start getting up just to 2000, which is like, I think about uh, 1850 USCF. You're already well up there into the like one in 500 category. So then take that one in 500 and imagine it at like my gym. <laughs> oh, that's better than anybody at my gym, the one in 500 person. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. That person is stunning. And I don't yes, know enough me, about, David, uh, and Kosti are chumps, right? But we're still at that like higher level. And the thing that I, I think is confusing for people is because you can't physically see how, like, if Magnus, if you could, if it was like a physical thing and you could see his body, he would just be like, like crazy, dude. And it would just be like, ah, I can't even be in this man's presence, you know? That's how it would be. But since you can't see it, and it just seems like, oh, some moves are being made and the computer makes better moves. Yeah, he's fallible, you know. So people don't get it. It's very, it's 
a big thing to make 2200. I don't know compared to chess how much in lifting is sort of like the body you're born with, which would be like mm -hmm. your talent or something like that, mm -hmm. right? Some kind of natural thing versus training. Like I don't know how much you can make up for just by training, but I happen to believe that in the chess world, which I know pretty well, mm -hmm. that since so few people train properly and play enough tournaments, et cetera, I tend to believe that there's a lot of different ways to play at a master level if you did a lot of good training and, and played a lot. Okay, so one thing I want to mention is very important for anyone that has a FIDE rating is that something very big is going to happen in March. So Wait, Ghost, you don't get off the topic, buddy. We're going to talk about that later. Come on. <laughs> no, I feel like it, it is important for this topic because okay. the people that are listening to this are very interested in gaining rating, clearly. <laughs> and, and I think they need to recognize that like in March, FIDE is giving people a boost. They approve the rating changes. Anyone under 2,000 is getting a nice bump to their rating starting March 1st. And uh, well, that means that from now until March, you basically have like kind of like a free roll with your FIDE rating if you're under 2,000. So I think people that are interested in gaining should be playing tournaments like this next month. Because if they gain, then great. You know, if you do well, good job. If not, you'll get a lot of those points back March 1st. I also think people above 2,000 doesn't really affect them right away, but starting in March, I think people that are above 2,000 trying to go up should play a lot of tournaments. There's going to be all these new play. I'm calling it the influx. It's going to be this like rating influx of people with now like 100, 200 points added on to their FIDE rating. And it's going to be a very good opportunity to play players that are maybe a little bit inflated for once. And I think that's important to mention because I think people are not realizing like how much new rating there's going to be in the system almost up for grabs yeah, yeah. we're gonna although we were talking about 2200 uscf right not fide because otherwise that percentage is going down another like factor 100 yeah but okay not not everyone cares about uscf rating i mean it, it's uh this all is all Costa's plan to make GM points. i think we're gonna get an influx of gms after this thing goes up <laughs> and we're gonna talk about that too but but in terms awesome. of the conversation, we're still talking like a base level of 2200 USCF, which is about 2100 FIDE, right? And can it be done? And will the rating, will this rating thing screw everything up? It's quite possible. We're, I mean, we definitely have to talk about it. I feel like I'm a very much a reactionary on this issue, you know? <laughs> we're going to see how it plays out. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's table that one for a second. Um, <laughs> I want to say I've coached a lot of players. Uh, I feel like I, for whatever reason, I had several players who wanted to go to 2000. So 2000 is expert. I think that would be amazing if Neil Bruce made expert. And they were all around 1800. And um, it was a lot of every time they came to me, like, well, we're going to do it right away. And it was a year long, years long process for all of these players. And what I want to stress is first how hard it was and the fact that the two who made it were kids. They made it and could they make 2200? I don't know. I, I kind of doubt it. They were good, but I don't think they had what it would take to make 2200. Um, they, and they were pushing it. Then the older dude who is going for it, 
he made some progress and he got to about 1900, but then fell back down. And then, you know, kind of the old, the, the age thing really started crushing. So, you know, first of all, I just want to say that's an example of a quest, but some successful quests, but also like what is realistic and by the way, glorious, if you can gain 200 points, I mean, that's amazing. That's a stunning game. And one thing I want to say about this particular quest is like, in somebody like Neil Bruce, who's kind of got an established situation, yes, they can improve from it, but they've kind of been at around a similar level. So what that means is we kind of, they have the data on where this player in general is, right? Can they improve? Sure, but we have a, like a baseline of where they are. Contrast that though to somebody totally new to the game, like this guy Adam in our Discord, who is from wants to be total beginner, is now a total beginner, wants to be 1800. There it's a little bit harder to judge because um, maybe the guy has Fisher's talent. I don't know. I don't know. Possible, right? Yeah. And so we don't have any information on what this person, this player's baseline is. Um, I think so. So that one is a lot harder for me to judge. And also, I think it's important to say that 1800 is a great rating, fantastic. Um, and there you are approaching the about one and 150, one and 150 players, which is, you know, you're going to be a huge jack dude if you do that. Um, but it will be hard. And I think Adam is in the, his 50s as well, right? Yeah. So that one's just harder for me to judge. But I also think that there's the lack of information, plus you have the factor that 1800 is actually significantly easier than 2200. You have to just imagine like this pyramid <laughs> going up, right? We have some 1800s here, and then the 2200 pool is just much smaller, much smaller. So it's tough. I think we agree. It's very hard. <laughs> yeah. It's we've brutal. definitely seen, as Jesse says, we've seen people like come in new to chess and get up to like 16, 1700 in a year. Like you see bursts like that. And somebody who can do that in a year, of course, they can get to 1800 at some point, right? So when somebody's newer, it's really harder to tell where they're going to get. Then you always, then you also always have people who played when they were young and stopped for some reason before they finished their trajectory and then come mm -hmm. back to the game 10 years right. later, 20 years later, whatever. So it'll be like, well, I was 13 years old and 1500 when I stopped, but I'd never stopped. I'd never plateaued, you know, or something like that. Mm -hmm. So there also, you don't really know how far they're going to go, but you have a couple points you can plot. Like you can compare them to other 13 year olds and sort of assess where they were on the talent chart and say okay they weren't bobby fisher they could be you know jesse cry or something like that but they're mm -hmm. not going to be bobby fisher and that gives you some idea of what the range of their right of their paths can be yeah i feel like generally the, my experience the people that developed some chess ability when they were younger they have it a lot easier later on for for whatever reason they've already built in some patterns or something but um, I mean, the people that make like the 1600 in one year, I don't, I don't know. I feel like for the most part, they've been on the younger side, like in their 20s, but not. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard of many cases of someone like starting chess in their 40s and then getting to like 1500 in one year, unless 
unless they played when they were young. They've already, you know, had some uh, inner skill built up. Uh, one thing I want to mention that I think is uh, important is like, I think with age, there's a common problem where people recognize physically that say athletes aren't going to be professional athletes at 50. I think there's just like, there's a understanding with people because they see it in their relatives and maybe they see it slowly in themselves. But here's the thing that a study that was very interesting, I think pertains to chess and aging, is they did a study with baseball players and the peak there was 28 and then they started going down. And with baseball, what we're really talking about is especially hitting and pitching. And the thing is like the mind needs to be able to judge some very minute things that are happening very quickly. Speed, you know, how you're going to swing, how you're going to throw the thing. Very like fine-tuned art that has to do with your mental development. And what the study found, it wasn't necessarily like your physical atrophy that was happening. It was your mind that was starting to go after 28. And that's really what we're seeing with the elite players too. We're really seeing, you know, 28 being the number where the slide starts to happen. And I want to stress then also from my personal experience, um, and this is also just anecdotally from other players I've, I talked to, is that with um, age, you're going to blunder more, like you're going to miss some basic stuff. And you will also um, find it harder to concentrate for long periods of time, what we call system two thinking. You can train it, and you know, but you will, your mind will tap out. And what happens when you tap out is then you make an impulsive move, right? And that's a real struggle that I've been facing, those two things I've noticed. And I, I know that I'm not a special snowflake in this regard. I know that other players around me are having the exact same issue. And I, so I just want to say, like, when you get down to like the competitive, the key competitive moments in a chess game, the blundering and the inability to really stay focused are going to be the key factors which destroy, you know, because it, it, it honestly in a competitive chess game, it comes down to the smallest things, how fast you are on that clock, you know, how fast you can calculate. And it's a big deal. It, you know, the game can really change on something very small when it's competitive. And that's how ratings are made, you know, in those competitive moments. So, Jesse, you, so, made, um, yeah. you made a distinction there. It's like you said, it's not physical, it's your mind. But everything mm -hmm. you described actually does sound quite physical. It's just that, like, mm -hmm. the brain is still like a biological entity, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's like, it sounds like it's like the mind starts to physically degrade, not like it's... Uh, I think people might get confused and might think like, oh, it's just a mental thing. I just need to remind myself to stay focused. But no, it just right. like gets physically harder to put in the same effort. Uh, and yeah, so that actually just makes me think that it's, it is kind of a physical game. Like um, you have to have great physical stamina, which maybe can lead to good mental stamina, or you need to like work on the, the specific mental stamina. Um, as well as maybe some of like the chess mechanics of calculation, like visualization, calculating quickly. I really think it's visualization though. I don't know, the more people I work with, you do puzzles with them and then move two or move three, it starts to get fuzzy and then they just can't calculate deeper and then they don't want to. And uh, 
I feel like that's where a lot of progress could be made. Because I think for many people, they hesitate once the visualization starts to get fuzzy and like, let me go back, let me just find a safe move. But that's exactly where I think if you push yourself, you can really improve in like a specific skill that then helps like the rest of your game completely. Like just being able to visualize if a little more in your in your variations. Let me just add something. Yes, Kosi, the body and mind are connected and it's also physical. But I guess what I, something I want to stress is your mind is a controlled electrical storm. It's, yep. a, it's like a wonder of evolution that it's happening, right? And uh, all kinds of things can go wrong. If you have a seizure, it means that electrical storm got out of control and you, your mind just had to tap out until you could, we were, you know, were able to reboot, right? And so the mind is degrading over time. You know, so it's like, yes, it's physical, but your mind is actually going. <laughs> There's nobody's mind that will last forever. If they somehow physically were able to, you know, keep going, you will eventually get dementia and tap out. Right. So <laughs> I just want to stress it, put it that way. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Jesse, early on in the episode, you mentioned looking at graphs of some players and how they, yeah. you know, how their ratings had come down. Right. Is there like a sense like there's a regular amount that, you know, you're losing every 10 years or something like that after after age 40? Well, one hilarious thing with that is so many players end up at their rating floor. <laughs> so you come to the senior open, buddy, and you get all these guys and they have zeros next to their name. But it's 2,100, 2,200. You're like, yep, that's a floor. That's a floor right there. <laughs> so, um, you know, I guess I could see it as a, I see it less as a number, but more as a curve. You know, just looking at everybody I know around my age, there's just a steady curve that you see in all of the ratings. Um, you know, when I play at the senior clothes, I've, I know already, I, I've looked at some of them, but they all have a similar slope, let's say. And one of the things about it that, that's important to me, I wanna stress is like, if I beat myself, if I'm on this journey, right? And, you know, I could tell myself, oh, I really should be back to where I was. You know, that'd be great, but I think, there's an element of um, self-flagellation there if I do it that way, right? It would be, in some ways, you know, it would be great maybe if I, you know, obviously if I did well and was able to hold some kind of rating that maybe was below what I, my peak rating was. That might be the more reasonable expectation instead of being like, oh, boss, I got to get back to where I was. That's where I deserved to be, you know? Then I'm just beating my, if it's unrealistic, then I'm just beating myself up over it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just think in terms of thinking about like improving, it's like that thing I said about learning versus forgetting, but it's also like yeah. the improvements you're doing have to outstrip the kind of right. natural decline that's happening at the same time. So exactly, right. if I'm gonna lose 50 points or 100 points in strength in the next year to something, sorry, in the next 10 years to some processes then to get better i have to do even more improvement than that yeah i guess um, that's actually a good I want to mention takeaway yeah. um, no, just just that the like not only is chess improvement already hard like it's difficult to get better than you've ever been because it requires climbing some steps that you haven't climbed yet but yeah you also have to fight against like the natural deflation you might experience as you 
as you get older. Mm. Yeah. Um, one thing I think Strong Chest did that I like just in the chat is, you know, he's into strength training, especially like powerlifting. And so, you know, there is data on strength versus time. And he makes a good point that that graph is exactly the same as your standard age decline graph in chess, right? So, and, and I think it's important because I think a lot of people think like, oh, the mind's different than the body. Of course, the body's going to get weaker. People have a very natural, intuitive, you know, assessment of that, but they don't um, think about it when it comes to the mind, you know? Well, it is different, you know, I mean... In chess, like sometimes you go up against you know an eighty year old, and they they whip you for the first like twenty five moves of the game, you know. So it's uh -huh. like it's very different than any other sport where I think it'd be you don't see too many people at that age competing with like a twenty year old, a thirty year old, you know, even if they're not like the most athletic people. Mm -hmm. um, so chess definitely is more mental than like your classic physical sport. Um, but yeah. The decline definitely still seems like it's there. Maybe if it were like long distance ice swimming, you could find some eight year olds who would whoop you, Coast. Yeah. <laughs> sure. They're just they're just so good against the pain. <laughs> yeah. And people are talking about Carlson. I think Carlson definitely is on the slow decline. It doesn't happen immediately, right? You hit twenty eight, and it's a very you know, I think all the graphs show that at 28, it's you, you can kind of stabilize there for a while. And Carlson's so strong, he has dropped, I don't know, what has he dropped, 40, 50 points from where he was a year or so ago? Mm -hmm. Is that the beginning of the decline? I, I would guess so. That's one of the reasons I shouted him so much, because I'm always like, Magnus, buddy, you think you're going to be this way forever. You take it for granted, but some little Indian kid's going to pop you in the face, son. It's time to hold on to your title. You <laughs> could still say yes. You can get into that candidates <laughs> tournament, buddy. It's okay. your last chance. Age is coming for you, Dao. Man, even this, even this topic, we got a hey, Magnus, buddy. Got, got it in. The very end. No, One I mean, day he's gonna listen to me. But Some everyone, everyone's dropped the, at the top. Everyone's dropped rating. You know, we used to have like multiple twenty eight hundreds, twenty seven nineties. Now it's like just yeah, everyone's gone below. So I think that's just part of the natural decline. The reason, reason Fide is now boosting everyone um it's just too many too many young good players post pandemic that have brought everyone down yeah so i don't know about that but they said Ma the magnus he just won the world rapid and blitz again <laughs> they said the chess boom would raise all the boats but it's actually deflated all the boats like yeah. everybody's rating is down <laughs> it's brutal um well thank god for fide fide to the rescue as usual Scott asked, am I going to be the youngest at the U.S. senior? Probably, yeah. Probably. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm getting in shape, dude. I'll be, I'll be the fittest there. I'll be the fittest. <laughs> Definitely. In terms of chess talent, forget about it, dude. There's some people at that U.S. senior clothes that are way stronger than me, talent-wise. Christensen, Benjamin, Akopian, all these dudes, you know amazing talents in the game but their bodies are dead <laughs> <laughs> they're toast dude they're toast so i have it that's that's my only chance that's my only chance though. dude you show them jesse you show them <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Wasn't one of the important findings in Strong Chess's study before we before we wrap this up? One of yeah. the important findings was just the people who played the most OTP games were the people who had the biggest rating gains. Wasn't that the case? That was part of it. Yeah. And we also it also independently verified that when we tried to figure out which right. requirement in the dojo leads to which the checking rating game. And it was definitely playing game, playing longer games was the yeah. trick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he looked at his outliers. I don't think he necessarily tabulated everybody for this, but he looked at his outliers and what they had in common was playing tons of games. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, we're not we're looking at we're not looking at a subset by age or anything like that. We're just looking at the whole dojo, you know, right. thousands of boxes checked, thousands of points gained in the training program. And the most games per box checked was for just going out and playing an OTB game. Which makes a ton of sense. Like when you play yeah. your like working on your game, it's also just very motivating to play tournament because you make mistakes, you don't do as well as you wanted, and then you're just super driven for the next few months to to work harder. Um, yeah. And you don't get worse from playing classical chess. I, like I think it's very hard to actually get worse. If you only play and you never review their games, then maybe you get stuck, you don't improve. But it, it's never actually bad for your chess. So as long as like you're playing, you're either winning your games and gaining points like people will in March, or you maybe get some new lessons that can be motivating for the future, which will ultimately be very good for your, your chess progress. My friends, Kosia was despairing of the hopes of getting a GM title, but now with this rating inflation <laughs> thing that's coming down the pipe, that's all he can dream about. It's like the sun coming out from behind the clouds <laughs> Shining post his dreams. <laughs> yeah, after a ten-year winter, <laughs> I've got uh, got little arrows in my eyes pointing up. That's all. I, that's yeah. all I see. That's yeah. a big opportunity, folks. Take advantage. The influx, <laughs> the influx is coming. <laughs> it's our chance to take what influx. they took from us during the pandemic <laughs> and get it back. Now you just need a red baseball cap, Ghost, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody asked how many games a year, and I think that is a, also a challenge for the older players in terms of time. Um, one thing, I think a good, uh, John Donaldson was quoted on the Ben Johnson podcast of being uh, about 45 games, 40, 45 games a year. I think that sounds reasonable. You do have to review those games. Um and one of the challenges, actually, for older people, I really want to mention here, David alluded to a little bit, but old people, dude, we wake up early. And then it's very, these tournaments are all ageist. It's not just the two rounds a day, but they have us playing games at like 7 o'clock at night. And then first we're going to be toast for that game, but then it's also it's going to wreck us. It's going to wreck us like our whole sleeping schedule is going to be shot. Dude. There's no sleeping that night. Then you got to get up. The next morning and do it all again it's a complete nightmare where are the kids they don't care dude that isn't a problem for them at all and so there's a very ageist thing that goes on at these especially at the open tournaments and the one round a day thing for example that'll be the case at the u.s senior close dude that's like weeks long weeks long and then it you know i have to pay i'll have to you know david was out from away from his family and he has going to have a debt to repay you know, with the kids and the wife and I, dude, I have the same issue, man. I'm like, she's like, what? 
how long are you going to be away? But that's the cost of a one-round-a-day tournament, my friend. That's just what, the you know, that's the barrier of entry. Yeah. 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 Price to pay. Well, at least it's at, like, 1 p.m. or something, like, reasonable, you know? <laughs> yeah. You got time. Um, all right, folks. I think that's going to do it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow and rate the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. We got lots more, lots more topics coming up. All right, Finn. Okay, Finn. thanks, everyone, uh, for joining. Yeah. That was a very fun episode. I hope everyone now feels motivated to prove us wrong, specifically Jesse. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nothing sweeter than gaining a lot of rating points and then shoving it <laughs> in someone's face. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Uh, I think that's going to do it for the stream. Unless either of you guys are staying on. Ghost to do tell us are you're in LA. When, when are you going back to uh, St. Louis? I'm in Los Angeles for maybe a week and a half, two weeks or so, just kind of until I get a flight back, and then I'll be going back to St. Louis sometime towards the end of the month. Probably playing next month in St. Louis, or maybe March, but they're going to have like another St. Louis Super Swiss uh, tournament, so I'm sure that'll be very strong. That's the real question. I wanted to know when your next tournament was. Yeah, that's definitely the next one that I'm definitely going to play. After that, I have no idea. I want to go back to Europe, though. Mm-hmm. And Europe mm-hmm. is where it's at. One round per day. Yeah. Delicious <laughs> food. Oh, my God. It's just such you a... Know, you know Sunway, the same organizers have another tournament in April. Right. I'm, really I'm April. interested. I'm very interested. <laughs> yeah. Oof. How warm was it there? Barcelona What's was that? nice. Barcelona was warm? warm. Yeah, it was like... 60s most days oh man that's a dream we were we were there on like december 20th jesse and i was walking around in a in a ratty t-shirt like you uh <laughs> you, like <laughs> mentioned <laughs> yeah it was beautiful stockholm was less warm um i bet it was <laughs> but but also also fun so yeah we've got snow here now Ooh, i came back we had snow it is cold. It mm-hmm. is cold. I miss Barcelona. Yeah. Maybe I should m- just move the whole family to Barcelona to tell the kids to switch schools and I'll just play Sunway tournaments. I mean, why not? Yeah. Spanish is a good language. There's a fair number of tournaments in Spain and my kids already speak French, so why not learn There's Spanish? There's tons of tournaments. Like every month they, they've got an open. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. Dude, that would, you know, your kids would, if you did that, that would be actually amazing for your kids to do one year of French and then one year of Spanish. Next, boom, they'll be set, man. Yeah. They'll be set. I'm like 25% moving to Barcelona. (laughs) 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 I just need one or two, like, reasons and I'm there. It's such Mm -hmm. a nice city. Hmm. (sighs) Yeah. There you go, man. Oh, God, I want to play so badly. <laughs> <laughs> but you're getting in like once. What, how many th- times do you get to play in your league, dude? Oh, there's like three rounds left. Maybe I'll play. Oh, no, there's four rounds left, and I'll play maybe three of the four games. Okay. 
It's not enough, Jesse. I need I need a re like I don't need appetizers. I need a meal. You're not far from you could go play Capella Grand, right? I know I could. It's just the kids. <laughs> I need a meal. My my kids tonight, Jesse. Because I told them like you're gonna have to watch like one or two movies on Sunday because I'm playing this league game. Uh -huh. And they're like you're always leaving us to play chess. I was like, dude, I left like, chess for you for nine years. Like, what do you mean uh -huh. I'm always leaving you? I played one tournament. Uh <laughs> always leaving us. Whew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. It's rough. Yeah, when I leave, it's so hard, dude, because then there's all these things that are undone, and then I got to, you know, do extra kid time, and it's like a real payment. It's like a debt. Kosi doesn't know what we're talking about here, but it's like... You come back, dude, and it's like all these chores hit you in the face. Kid response. Oh, dude, it's terrible. You know, it no, used I, to be back in the day, you'd come home and it would be time to relax, dude. It'd be like time to, you know, go hang out with your friends or something. No, it's time to just bust your ass. <laughs> in fact, home. No, dude. I definitely feel it. When I, when I return to the dojo after a tournament, all these. No, you have, you, have, and... you have no idea what we're talking about. Things you have zero idea what we're talking about. I think I've got some idea. <laughs> All this stuff, everything's on fire. <laughs> okay, I want to actually give a shout out. Um, we started this cool new thing at the dojo. David's very pessimistic about it, but I think it's at least interesting where we're going to have coaching sessions. And I already started, I did a coaching session for people going over their games. This is in a range of like 11 to 1300. We just going over one person's game a week, five weeks, you know, so far really cool group. The group's also meeting on their own before they meet with me to like, look at the game before we look at it together. Really cool. And now we have uh, GM Josh Friedel's going to do a class. Uh, we have Nose Knows All. Michael Franco is going to do a class. I think the famous Piffle Sticks is probably going to do a class. The famous Eugene Perlstein, maybe. And Kosi, I think. And then maybe David, even though he's such a pessimist, you know, a communist and all these other is, he might do a class too. So anyways, we're going to get, that's something cool that we have new going on in the dojo. I have no doubt your class was awesome and great for the five and just absolutely out of this world fantastic for the five people who got to take part in it. I was only pessimistic about whether or not you would make much money off of it. <laughs> I know it's great. I know it's anyway, great. Anyway, I think it'll be cool. So how can people take advantage of these wonderful classes? Right. They're in the calendar. You can find them in the dojo calendar. Coast, yeah. Actually, Kosti, let me ask you a question. This is actually uh, just a technical question. If you were not part of the training program, and I know that these classes now, we are advertising some of them to be, that they wouldn't be just for the dojo. How would they find them if they weren't part of the training program? Um, yeah, actually, so yeah, that's, that was the exact question I was asking. So basically, folks, I think most of the classes will be exclusive to people in the training program so it's like right uh, like for me personally i have a very limited number of people like i can work with so i'm gonna kind of limit it to people that are already in the program kind of like doing the right stuff they're motivated i want to help them i want to help them improve so my stuff will probably be limited and i'm not sure about every single class for the rest of the future but anyone can sign up to the site 
get a free account that'll show you the calendar and show you what classes are available because okay, some might yeah. be available to everyone that really just depends up to the instructor whether they want to make it open to everybody or just people in the training program but yeah there's really no drawback to people making a free account you can see what the training program is like get a preview but also gives you access to join some of these classes um, by then going to the calendar page and then you can see um, basically if it shows up on your calendar it should be available for you to book um, if not then it's not available and you won't see it yeah um, also we got a question from quad can i not make a class for something like 14 to 1600 that would be a very natural progression honestly after i'm done with this cycle that maybe i i could you know do the next rating group up for people going over their games so that's something definitely i would like to do and I just you know by the way a lot of people are like do this in the dojo do that we're doing a lot of stuff so we can't do, <laughs> can't do everything at once <laughs> you know, mm. but yes, I think that is on my agenda to do something like that for 14, 1600 next. Yeah, I think in general, we kind of want to target everyone, essentially. Um, but yeah, that's on our site, dojoscoreboard.com. Anyone can go make a free account. Um, we're also going to have more courses soon. We've got some that are already available, some opening courses, David's King and Pawn Endgame course. Um, I'm working on more stuff. So, um, yeah, if courses are your thing. Then we're also going to have those up soon as well.